His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. Man, that was incredible. <laughs> Marty, you're hilarious. Text yesterday, like, you want to do tithe? No. But I will. And I was like, cool, thanks. You had, God had that deposited in you, and it, we all needed to hear it. That was awesome. I was ready to sit back and let that be the message and stuff. But I've had something that's kind of been on, well, this isn't kind of been on my heart. But uh, the message that I'm going to share has been on my heart for a couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> I, I wanted, you know, we did all those puns about Jody's pickles and relish last week. And I want to apologize to you guys. We did all them puns because we were just trying to jar you out of your complacency. <laughs> I couldn't, I sat on that all week, go, oh man, when's church is going to be here? <laughs> I know. I was like, doggone it. She got into the message way too fast. Why do we love doing life with all you guys? <laughs> there was a patient went into a psychiatrist's office, and he said, Doc, I keep thinking I'm a deck of cards. He said, sit over there. I'll deal with you later. That was a freebie. There was an elderly couple who, in their old age, were getting forgetful. They decided to go to a doctor. The doctor told them that memory loss is a normal part of aging, but that they should start writing things down so they don't forget. They went home, and the woman asked her husband to get her a bowl of ice cream. You might want to write it down, she said. No, I can remember that you want a bowl of ice cream, he replied. Then she told her husband she wanted whipped cream on it. Write it down, she told him, and again he said, no, no, I can remember you want a bowl of ice cream with whipped cream. Woman said she wanted a cherry on top. Write it down, she told her husband. And again he said, no, I got it. You want a bowl of ice cream with whipped cream and cherry on top. So he went to get the ice cream, spent an unusually long time in the kitchen. When he came out, he handed his wife a plate of eggs and bacon. <laughs> his wife stared at the plate for a moment, then looked at her husband and says, where's the toast? There's more, but I've been waiting for months to get that one out. Hey, uh, t- today I've been, uh, uh, if you've got your Bible, I'm going to read uh, some scriptures out of the Passion Translation, Luke 8. And it's, you guys know this story, it's one about the, uh, the demon-possessed guy on uh, across the lake anyway uh luke chapter 8 and i'm going to start with verses uh 22 this is you know the the story about jesus going through the storm jesus is leaving these massive crowds he's getting in a boat the disciples and they're heading across the sea of galilee and the jesus falls asleep and they're in the midst of this this major storm hits them and the disciples are all like, 
they finally wake him up and say, don't you care that we're we're going to drown? You know, I think they were in the first stage of faith, Marty. You know, we're going to drown. Don't you even care? And he gets up to him and he says, why are you fearful? Have you lost your faith in me? So he rebukes the storm and immediately it becomes quiet. The sea becomes like glass. Immediately. No winds, no waves, sea like glass. Here's what I would love to see. I would love to see that in a movie with the disciples standing there totally soaked and drenched. And the moon comes out, the sea's totally calm, and they're going, what the heck just happened here? You know, dripping wet and Jesus is dry, you know, because he was sleeping in a place that was covered from the storm. And I thought, so Jesus left this place in Galilee, and he's heading to the east side of the sea, and he's going over, I mean, they've just left massive crowds to where they're so big that he has to have a boat put out to be able to keep from being crushed from the crowds to speak to them. And he leaves and heads out into a storm. And I don't know if this, I'm thinking, the disciples probably thinking, why did, why did we leave? God, there was so much stuff going. There was revival happening. There was miracles, signs, wonders. There was all this that you were doing. Why did we leave them? And immediately after this storm, they come upon, they, they overgo to the, as soon as they, they stopped ashore and stepped onto the eastern side of the lake in the land of the Gerasenes, disciples were confronted by a demon-possessed madman from a nearby town. It's just getting better. Many times he'd been put under guard and bound with chains, but repeatedly the many demons inside him had thrown him into convulsions, breaking his shackles and driving him out of the town into the countryside. He'd been demonized for a long time and was living naked in a cemetery among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and screamed out, what are you doing here? You are Jesus, the son of the most high God. Jesus commanded the demons to come out of him, and they shouted, We beg you, don't torture us. Jesus asked the man, What's your name? Mob. The demons answered, We are a mob, for there are many of us here in this man. We beg you, don't banish us to the bottomless pit of the abyss. So you guys know the story. There was a herd of pigs, about 2,000 grazing on a hill. And so they say, cast us into the pigs. So he does. All the pigs run off the cliff and drown in the sea. And the guys watching run into town, and they start spreading the word about everybody, about what had happened. And when they come back, they find the guy sitting there, says, clothed and in his right mind, talking intelligently and being peaceful. And they became afraid. And I've talked on that before. I thought, how many times do we become comfortable with what is abnormal because it's just the way things are? How Comfortable with a naked guy chained up, running around in a cemetery. Oh, yeah, that's just Joe down the street. He's, you know, he's always been like that. We've chained him a few times, but he breaks them up. But, yeah, you just, you just don't go to the cemetery. <laughs> And uh, we become accustomed to what is abnormal. And when Jesus comes and sets everything to right, we become terrified. Hey, you are upsetting our 
what we have conceived as normal. And here, here's what they do. They all begged. They said the whole countryside showed up and began to beg Jesus, leave our region. Here we're all crying out, God, come, God, come. You know, we want, and this is a whole region that goes, this is terrified, this kind of power, you know. So we want you to leave. We don't want you around here anymore. So the guy responds. The man who'd been set free begged Jesus over and over not to leave, saying, let me be with you. Jesus sent him away with these instructions. Now you got to realize, Jesus' whole message has been, pick up your cross, lay down your life, deny yourself, and come follow me. And everybody runs into, he says, follow me, follow me, follow me. This is the only time in scripture that a guy said, I want to follow you. And he said, no. What the heck is going on? Jesus said no to this guy. He's just been set free of a mob, a legion of demons, and he probably needs discipled. (laughs) You know, he's been demonized for a long time. Crazy. He's just been set free. What the heck has happened to him? Don't, don't you think it'd be time to, yeah, you, you need to be with us for a little while so we can make sure you get established and know how to navigate your new life. And Jesus says, no. Here's what he says. Return to your home and your family and tell them all the wonderful things God has done for you. So the man went away and preached to everyone who would listen about the amazing miracle Jesus had worked in his life. This is incredible. And so they get in the boat and they head back to Galilee. Jesus, it's like he left the crowds, made it all across to sea, go through a nasty storm that could have killed him if he hadn't rebuked it. And he gets up there and it's like, I don't know if the disciples thought, we should have beached a little bit down the coast. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, it would be a little terror. How many times do we run into a situation going, oh, God, I'm not sure I should be here. And he's got a purpose in it. Jesus went, you know, I love that song we sang. There's no shadow you won't light up. No mountain you won't climb up coming after me. Jesus had one person on the other side of the lake that needed him. He went for one. He went for the one. He left the 99 on the shore, and he went for the one. These guys were pagans. They weren't, they weren't Jewish people. They were the south, the, a little bit of the southeastern part of the Lake of Galilee. They were not part of Israel. He was called to the lost sheep of Israel. But he goes for that one guy. I think he'd heard the guys cry. I think he heard the guys cry. And you know what? I thought, Lord, how many times do we hit the storm and go, man, I don't think this was God. This this is a terrible storm. And we want to turn around and head back to safety. When he's saying all the time, there's purpose on the other side of this storm. Rebuke it. And I'll bring you through on calm waters. 
And then you go, I knew I should have turned back. This guy's nuts. <laughs> and instead, he's going, I want to move through you to set this person free. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't one of them times that Jesus had spent the night in prayer with the Father the night before and got instructions. Hey, I want you to get in the boat tomorrow and I want you to head over to this side. And you're going to have to push through the storm. But there's a person on the other side that needs you. There's a region that needs you. This just, I thought, a whole region rejected Jesus. Later on, it says he went to the land of the Gadarenes and they, the whole countryside came out and met him. What changed? What changed that leave us, we don't want you here, to Jesus is here? <laughs> Come on, everybody. What changed? One guy's testimony. One guy. He had to be the worst case in the county. <laughs> he had to be the worst case in the area. He had to be the, and everybody knew this guy. He'd been that way a long time. And I thought, okay. <laughs> so I just had some, <sighs> that storm that they went through was a demonic, in, demonically inspired storm. That was, I mean, it, it probably didn't show up on the Weather Channel that tonight's going to be a really nasty storm. You don't want to be on the Sea of Galilee. It was a demonically inspired storm because, man, the enemy may not have known what he was up to, but he's heading our direction. He's heading our direction. We want we, I, put it, let's, let's do a storm. Let's drown them. <laughs> you know, because the demons were terrified. Their first thing is, don't torment us. What are you doing here? You should have died in the storm. <laughs> and yet Jesus kept going through because the Father had a purpose. And he wasn't going to stop until he saw the Father's purpose accomplished that the Father had sent him across that lake to do. These, you know, that storm was nasty because these guys were fishermen. They were on the lake. Their life was on that lake. They knew how to navigate rough seas. They knew how to navigate that type of stuff. And they were terrified and convinced they were going to drown. First stage of faith. Thank you, Marty, for that this morning. Jesus was trying to kick them into a second stage. <laughs> so Jesus went back, had an appointment on the other side. Wow. Just felt like God was saying, in, we should be encouraged that when we know he's sending us a place and we encounter a storm, really it should be confirmation that God really does want to break through on the other side of this thing and keep us going instead of being uh, turning back from it. So I had some thoughts on this. Ah, the man that was here. So here's a question I had for the Jesus saying, no, you go back home to your family, and just tell what good things God's done for you. And so the guy telling everywhere. Question number one, did he have things to make right with his family that Jesus sent him back? What, why did Jesus send him back to his family? 
Was there, was there things he needed to clean up? Was there a mess that he had left that needed to be addressed and cleaned up and made right? And Jesus goes, you go back and make things right. You go back and clean up your mess. Just tell what the good things that God's done for you. Whoa. Now that there was obedience, deliverance, and repentance, Jesus sent him back, I believe, to clean up a mess. Or maybe it was just to proclaim the good news that Jesus can break any kind of chains that bind you. See, he could break, the demonic was breaking the physical chains, but only Jesus could break the chains on his life. Only Jesus could break the chains on the inside that held him. I think maybe all of those things above. And then here's the other question I had was like, what was it that opened this man up to such demonic possession? Why, you know, was he the, what, did he just have so much rebellion in his life that he attracted the demonic? Was, it was a pagan culture. Was he a, was he a, an object of curses, you know, uh, dispersed by the the culture or whatever you know something i mean there's no place else that you read i mean mary magdalene seven demons this guy had a legion he had a mob and in the greek a legion was up to 6800 roman soldiers it was the largest division that rome had a legion that's quite a few visitors to have to deal with you know and we go, I think a demon's harassing me. Well, kick it out of here. Jesus, this is before the cross that they were terrified of Jesus. Are you going to torment us? Don't throw us down to the abyss. They already knew what their sentence was going to be. And he hadn't even, when he died on the cross, he handed over his authority to his people. He said, now, what I've done, you go and do. That's why he said, "Go." He didn't, that's why after he rose, he goes, now, you go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the deads, raise the dead, one dead, I don't want to mess with deads, <laughs> and set the captives free. And so we're to walk in that same authority he had. I don't know what it was that caused that man to be the object of such a possession. But Jesus wanted that man set free. <laughs> there ain't no wall you're not going to kick down to come after me. Whew, man, I love that. I, I thought, oh, God, you come through no matter what. The other thing I wanted to talk about was his testimony. Jesus sent this guy back and said, I want you to go back and just tell the good things that God's done for you. I want to tell you the power of your testimony in wherever you're at. Work, home, school, shop, it, wherever God has you. College. God has you in a place to where he wants to move through you in his testimony of what he's done in your life. And it doesn't have to be something so dramatic of like, yeah, he set me free from 6,800 demons. I, that might people go, whoa. But you can say, but everybody has a story. 
of where Jesus met you. Everybody has a testimony of what he's done in your life. And the cool thing is, if he's done it for you, he wants to do it for others. That's awesome. He's, God's healed me of cancer. Whew. He wants to heal others with cancer through me. That's why I don't mind going back and getting scanned every six months at the cancer center because it's like a revival. It is. It's like when you have something so desperate and people are like, I've got death hanging over me and I'm trying to get treatment to be well. Whoo, you talk about everybody's walls being down and people open to prayer. And you say, man, God has just been, Ugh. I mean, you mentioned that and it's like, would you pray for me? I've, I've got this, I got I to gotta deal with this later today. Would you, would you pray for me? I said, yeah, you know, and I share with them about claiming the scripture in Mark about you'll drink any deadly poison and it will not harm you. Man, that applies to chemo. And all the nuclear dye they put in you just to scan you to see if you're okay. We want you to glow. I don't want that kind of glow. I want the kind that comes from God. People are going into radiation and say, man, it always messes me up. Would you pray for me? So I'm like, yes. You get to share Jesus with people. And I'm like, I've shared the Lord so much with the technicians. I walk in never the seat the CAT scan office and they go, Hey, Ron, how are you doing? Did you bring Teresa with you? I mean, it's like they look forward to us coming. It's like, I I I, I don't know how I feel about that. But if you've got to be in those situations, take Jesus with you and let him be all he wants to be with everybody you meet. You know, one thing I've been praying for a long time is in the business. You know, I, <clears throat> you, get, you get to go into clients' offices. You know, I've been like an undercover intercessor in places that don't really welcome Christians in to pray over their businesses. But me and Holy Spirit, and Kristen and Holy Spirit get to go. You know, and we just go in and say, Holy Spirit, I invite you into all these offices here to just begin to speak to hearts. Begin to, if, they've, if they grew up in church and they're falling away from you, begin to remind them the things that were put in their life. God, just begin to bring a drawing on their lives and just move in these places. And, you know, it's like, I just, I love that because it's like, I feel like the business has just been an open door to get into places that you couldn't get into before. And, and you know what? I was, it's like I've had clients who watched me walk through that whole thing with cancer, and it's opened up doors to pray with them. I've had clients I've gotten to pray with that have gone through things, you know, and God shows up, and he meets them. And it's like, God, use this. I'm sure the devil never intended when he gave me cancer that it was going to open up doors to minister to the Lord. I love him being regretful that he ever did that to me. And so if there's something in your life that's been bad, it's like, devil, I, God, I want you to make him so sorry that he ever touched my life. Because I want you to take, you always promise to turn around whatever the enemy meant for evil. 
God intends it. He'll turn around and use it for good. So use it for so much good that hell hears about it. And it's like, don't be touching that guy. It always ends up expanding the kingdom. Leave him alone. Anyway, this, this guy's testimony, man, I'm amazed that the whole region got turned around. It's a little bit like the woman's testimony at the well. You know, when Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, and she goes, he tells her, uh, bring your husband, and he goes, and she goes, uh, I, don't, I don't have a husband. He goes, yeah, you're right, you've had five, and the guy you're living with right now is not your husband. That's a pretty good word of knowledge. And I'm sure it got her, she goes, hmm, I perceive you're a prophet. Wow. What brilliance. <laughs> he just read your mail. And, you know, and then she goes back to town and goes, hey, uh, you know, I just met a guy who told me everything. Could he be the Messiah? And so phew, the whole town comes out. You don't think they had the busyness that we do. Because the whole towns would turn out. Whole regions would turn out. And, and so, you know, they hear him. He stays two days. Two days. And everybody believed in him. He said, well, we're not believing on your word anymore. We know for ourselves. Your testimony can open people up to experience the Lord for themselves. I'm not, I'm not having an interest in Jesus anymore because of what you've said. He's done for you. I, I now know I've heard him and he speaks to me and he's he told me his love for me. And so I'm believing him because of that, not just because of your testimony. But your testimony can open it up. And what's the enemy do? He wants to come along and tell you your testimony is nothing to share. It's no big deal. Nobody's going to be interested in your story. And I want to tell you the world is dying to know your story. I, in the morning, you know, my quiet time, I say, Holy Spirit, I want you to be the atmosphere that flows through me today. I want you to be the atmosphere around me. God, let your kingdom be the atmosphere so that when I walk in, I don't have to say anything. I can just hand them their cartridge and the invoice and say, sign here on the dotted line. But they feel your presence in that office when I go in. If I'm working on something, and let, and Holy Spirit come in and just move. Just touch him. Just speak to him. I believe that he wants heaven to be the atmosphere around every one of our lives. And it affects people. And I don't care what job you're doing. I don't care if you're teaching your kids. You're, you're running your kids. You're, you know, going to Walmart, going to the grocery store, Whatever. God wants to encounter the people you're around. And he'll do it through your testimony. And he'll do it through just his presence resting on your lives. You know, I, I've, had some, I've had some fruit from that. Uh, but some places that I just shared the Lord, you know, and just prayed that so much found people starting to I found out somebody told me said people around here are starting to go to church people around here are starting to talk about the Lord that's like oh God thank you 
had somebody that was leaving um, leaving a, a job post, going to a new one, and somebody put a picture of it on Facebook, and the whole department was encircled with their arms around each other, heads bowed, praying for the person going to their next job. And I was like, oh, God, I, I started crying. You know, it's like, God, you are touching people. You're moving in situations. And, you know, it's, I just, I just want to encourage you. Your story has power. Let the Holy Spirit rest on you wherever you're going. He wants to move. He wants to change lives. Oh, just, it's a day of demonstration. It's not a day of um, thanking him, hoping we're going to see it. It is a season of God moving now. It's now. In every department, every situation, every place you go, he wants to move. You know what? I That's really what I had this morning. I just wanted to share. Just had do you realize that story about going through the storm and the demoniac was related? In the Bible they kind of separate them. He goes through a storm, okay, no big deal. It was related to the story of setting that man free. And I thought, "Huh. You how many times have we gone through storms and said, uh, I don't think it's where I don't think this is you, God. This is getting too difficult. And he's going, no, come on. I'm on the other side. Press through this thing. I'll give you grace for what you're going through. I can calm the storm, declare peace in this thing. But I'm on the other side. I want to move on the other side. Keep going. Keep pushing. Keep believing. I believe he wants us in that third stage of faith, Marty, to where, like Abraham, believe God. God counted as righteousness. He never doubted all those 25 years. And God said he's the father of our faith because that's what he wants his kids looking like. Man. guys want to stand up I'm gonna I want to pray God I just want to thank you so much you have never failed to meet with us when we get together as a body of believers God you've blessed us with wonderful brothers and sisters to do life with you have uh always met us Lord I believe you're wanting to upgrade our faith into that third stage God to where it doesn't matter if we know that you're on the other side that you've got so, your mission you've sent us on God that we will push through any storm to get to that God that we'll go after the one just like you did and that we'll believe you for your outcome that you've already declared you didn't call us to give up. You didn't call us to grow weak. You didn't call us to turn back. When difficulties arise, you said, go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, heal the brokenhearted, and make sure the poor have the gospel preached to them. 
You've called us as a body to be part of that, to walk like that. So God, I want to pray, God, for a, uh, I want to pray for a release, God, of us becoming vessels that you can rest in and flow through. Holy Spirit, that you would be the atmosphere in our hearts, flowing through us in every moment where we're alert to your orders, and that, God, that your kingdom would be the atmosphere around our lives. And it would cause people to want to ask, "What? every time I'm around you, I feel joy. Every time I'm around you, I feel peaceful. What is this? Cause questions to begin to arise in those we're around. That they want to know what it is we have. Lord, your word said that we should even have, that in a day of trouble, that we should, people are going to ask, what is this reason that you have to hope? What's the reason that you're joyful in this situation and that we can share you with them? <laughs> it's not our own effort. It's Jesus. He, he, he lit up every shadow. He climbed up every mountain. He broke, kicked down every wall to come to me. And he'll do the same for you. God, I pray that it just feels like we're in a new season of uh, evangelism being released, God, and just you moving in signs, powerful signs and wonders through your people. <laughs> this region is ripe. This region is ripe for the picking. So we thank you in advance for the harvest and that we are your workers being cast out into it, wherever that is. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. 